Hello. Welcome to the live stream. If you can't tell, I don't have my shit together today because I'm late. I'm so sorry. So sorry. Hi. Happy Halloween. Happy Monday. Um, and you know, when it when it's a Monday, uh, it's really nice to bring like donuts to the the like morning meetings, you know. At least that's what I always think. I always appreciate the people who bring the donuts to the morning meeting. So I brought donuts for us this morning. Well, really, I brought one large donut for all of us to share. Come here, my donut. Oh, one big donut. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. I brought a big donut for us to share. Say hello. <laughs> My donut baby. <laughs> She's like, what is happening? He's so good, baby. Are you big donut? You big donut for us to share? You big donut for us? <gasps> that is so nice. Oh, okay. Here, you can go back to sleep. Oh, my gosh. I awoke her from her slumber for that. She's so big. God, she's so cute, you guys. Oh, I'm going to take a picture quick. It's really hard to show her on camera, but I'll, I'll put it on my Instagram later. Stop it. Oh, she's so cute. She's so cute. That's right, my snorfling donut. That's my baby. Okay. Um, am I a mouse or am I a cat? Great question. I had cat in mind, but I'll take mouse. I feel like with a mouse costume, you usually go with like gray. And with a cat, it's black. And that's the difference. Who knows? I need to put my glasses on because I can't see a goddamn thing. Thanks for being here, everyone. Happy Halloween. Happy to be here. Hosting. Cats and dogs do get along. That's right. Oh, am I going to get my whiskers on the bottom of my glasses? I'm a mouse. Duh. Okay. So, great. Thank you for your patience. I was upstairs doing this makeup and then looked at my phone and it was 831 and I gasped and then just like very quickly threw on mascara and eyebrows and head came down in a tizzy. It's a Monday, people. It's a Monday. It's Halloween, but it's still a Monday. You know what I mean? Great. Great. Okay, we're talking about two total topics today. Two, two topics, and only two topics, because they're, I have a lot to say about both. Hold on. Let me turn on the spooky lighting. Oh, yeah. Oh, now we're in business. Okay, great. Okay, we're going to talk about Nancy Pelosi, and we're going to talk about the cases before the Supreme Court today. Okay, two things, two big things. So let's jump right in. I have a sneeze that feels like it's right at the tip of my nose, you know, and I'm kind of waiting for it to come, but I don't think it will. So we're going to we're going to power forward. Okay, let's first talk Nancy. Oh, Nancy. In case you missed it. 
on Friday, a guy broke into Nancy Pelosi's home yelling, where is Nancy? Nancy wasn't home, but her husband Paul was, and this man attacked Paul with a hammer. With a hammer, fracturing his skull. He got a skull fracture and causing other injuries as well. Paul is somehow expected to make a full recovery despite the fact that he is 82 years old and was just attacked with a hammer. Can you imagine how fucking scary that was? Middle of the night, a guy breaks in and hits you in the head with his hammer? It's shocking that he lived through that, honestly. And like, okay, listen, I scream about like, eat the rich all day long. And the Pelosi's are definitely included in that. But I don't mean like, literally, I don't mean like, go attack them. Okay, I'm a pacifist, y'all. Sorry. I don't like pain. I'm not interested in physically inflicting pain on others. Maybe that makes me weak. Maybe that makes me counter to the revolution. Sorry. I won't do it. I don't like pain and I don't like fighting physically. Verbally is another thing. <laughs> no one deserves to be hit over the head with a hammer. Okay. Um, and while I was reading more about this, I found this interesting article from the New York Times today. Basically all about the decades-long vilification of Nancy Pelosi by the right. Um, and it's been going on, like I said, for decades. Here are some examples. In 2006, as Nancy Pelosi was poised to become the first female Speaker of the House, Republicans made a film spoof that portrayed an evil Democratic empire led by Darth Nancy, which first of all is a stupid concept, but still... 2006. In 2009, the Republican National Committee ran an advertisement featuring Miss Pelosi's face framed by the barrel of a gun, complete with the sound of a bullet firing as red bled down the screen, a takeoff on the James Bond film Goldfinger, in which the woman second in line to the presidency, presidency was cast as Pussy Galore, which is a pretty great drag name, but otherwise... Violent. This year, a Republican running in the primary for Senate in Arizona aired an ad showing him in a spaghetti western-style duel with Democrats in which he shoots at a knife-wielding, mask-wearing, bug-eyed woman labeled Crazy Face Pelosi. Again, horrible insults. Horrible. Just like calling Biden Brandon. Ugh. It's not funny. You guys aren't funny. Okay. The attack on Ms. Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, on Friday, which left him with a fractured skull and appeared to be part of a planned attack on the speaker herself, came after a years-long campaign by Republicans to demonize and dehumanize Ms. Pelosi in increasingly ugly ways. Okay. And, and why has she been villainized this much to this extent? especially her specifically focused on her why let me hear it nice and loud for the for the people in the back because she's a woman it's because she's a woman can you imagine like chuck schumer <laughs> in that like bond shootout scenario no because as I've always been screaming about but especially since the Depp v heard case people love to violently hate women in a way that they do not hate on men it's aggressive and there's like an aggressiveness and a glee to hating women that people don't show when hating on men and i'm not wrong i'm not wrong even women who i think aren't great people 
Amber Heard and Nancy Pelosi being among them. I will continue to argue they do not deserve the absolutely malicious and violent hatred that they receive. It makes me sick. It makes me sick. Even in 2012, when Nancy Pelosi served as minority leader, which meant she well she wielded less power than Senator Harry Reid of Nevada, the Democratic majority leader at the time in 2012, Republican television ads were six times more likely to mention Ms. Pelosi than to mention Mr. Reid, according to the Wesleyan Media Project, which tracks political advertising. I got that from here. Six times more likely to mention her, even when she was less powerful, even when she was less consequential. Okay. Why? Because it's less fun to hate men. Because hating on women is easier because you know you have some power over them. Whereas white men, you're punching up. Or you're, or if you are a white man making fun of a white man, you're punching laterally. <laughs> it's a lateral punch. When it's a woman, you're punching down. And it's more fun that way because you feel more powerful. And of course, Republicans are blaming this attack on Nancy Pelosi on rising crime rates. Of all things. Like, as though this guy was just some random person off the street who saw some random house that just happened to be the Pelosi's and was like, ah, yes, I'd like to do a crime on that one. The guy yelled, where is Nancy? This was like he had zip ties in his bag. This was a targeted attack fueled by Republicans who fan the flames of vitriol, hatred and violence, or at the very least, don't speak out against it when it's happening. For example, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia, who before she uh, who has openly embraced QAnon, claimed that Nancy Pelosi was guilty of treason and adding, quote, it's a crime punishable by death is what treason is. She also at one point liked a Facebook post that advocated a bullet to the head for Nancy Pelosi. Republican Representative Kevin McCarthy once mused publicly about wanting to hit Miss Pelosi with the oversized wooden speaker's gavel. Which his aides letter his aides leader said that that was a joke. Ah yes, that classic joke about abusing elderly women. <laughs> I love that one. That's a that's a good one. And of course since the 2020 election threats against Pelosi have spiked again, fueled by vitriol and Republican talking points about the stolen election and the Republicans who aren't making talking points about the stolen election, not saying anything against it to uphold our democracy in any way. And this, and this I guess, brings me to my overall feeling about this upcoming election, um, which I have a new prop that I think will really help me communicate to you how I'm feeling. Yikes. 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 Is how I feel about this upcoming election. Because this attack on Nancy Pelosi is a microcosm, too, of the violent extremes that it appears that the far right are willing to go to and that some declare they're willing to go to, if you've seen my alt-right TikTok reaction video, to which I'm planning on making a part two, just to kind of drive home the sentiment that I'm noticing that we're feeling all around the country and that we're seeing. Because these people 
are willing to go to violent lengths in order to get their way because they're being radicalized on the internet. Just like any other fringe, violent group you've ever heard of, these guys are too. Not just guys, these people are too. Being radicalized by the things that they see on the internet, the conspiracy theories that people in power and their leaders are not denouncing. Okay, and it's leading to fear-mongering at the polls, people showing up to cause, to instill fear in people when they go and vote. And I have no clue at this point how many Republican nominees will challenge the election results, which are happening in a week. I have no clue how many will be challenging their election results if they don't win, leading to more distrust in the democratic process. And I shudder to think what will happen if Republicans take over Congress, which very much could happen. My point being, please, for the love of God, please vote. Please vote. Please vote. <laughs> please show up and vote. Okay. And then uh, there was this HuffPost piece, which made me like hyperventilate a little bit. Um, so Donald Trump Jr., DJJ, DJ Jr., mocked Paul Pelosi, the elderly man who was just attacked with a hammer, in an Instagram post about Halloween. Got my Paul Pelosi Halloween costume ready. Are you fucking kidding me? To which he added, if you switch the hammer for a red feather boa, you could be Hunter Biden in an instant. Get over it. Okay? And then he also took to Truth Social, Papa Trump's social media, to say, imagine how safe the country would be if Democrats took all violence as seriously as they're taking the Paul Pelosi situation. They simply don't care about you. That's right. Democrats don't care about you in, as much as Donald Trump Jr. cares about you. That's right. Donald Trump Jr. really cares. He cares about you. He cares about your safety. He cares about your family and their family's welfare. He cares. Not like the Democrats who say, crime, never heard of it. I, I Not a serious issue at all, crime. Don't care. And the thing is, I think people believe him. Which is like the lack of critical thinking is never ceases to fucking amaze. <sighs> and then the part that made me hyperventilate a little bit was new Twitter owner Elon Musk didn't help matters by tweeting and then deleting a police debunked right-wing conspiracy theory that Pelosi and his attacker were lovers who met at a bar. Because, of course, you always have to bring the gays into this. You always have to make it gay somehow. What the fuck, dude? Did we get a picture? No, it was removed. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? This, it's just, like... I know this has been joked about before, but I really think we might be living in a simulation. How is this? How is this possible? <laughs> how is it so fucking bonkers out there right now? How are these people? How do these people have platforms? What the fuck is going on? 
he does care about your fear level. That's true. <laughs> that's right. DJ Jr. just wants to know what it feels like to be loved by a father. And he's mad. He's mad. He's mad at Hunter because he's gotten daddy's love. That's right. When a radical fringe group is the major political party. <sighs> yeah. It's been going on for decades. Okay. <laughs> I also have a blast hating men, but you're punching up. You're still punching up. Okay. It's not the same level of violent glee that people feel towards women, you know? I know that was a joke, though. Because same. Uh, a woman with an opinion, it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. You'll scare all the men. We know anything about Republicans and conservatives is that they're not creative. A hammer as a weapon is so barbaric. It's like that's like first of all, I don't know why he didn't bring a gun. Like not to, you know, considering they love guns so much. But a hammer is, like, personal. You have to get in close range. You have to get in close contact with a person to kill them with a hammer. Nothing spookier than the news. Nothing spookier than the news. You can see, you can see my heart rate. Huh. It's fine. It's fine. Hammer's quiet. True. Yeah, a crime of, a crime of passion. I think that's fair. Yeah, hammer is quiet. Is terrifying. You hate to see it. Is Hunter Biden missing? <laughs> I don't know. I made a whole video about Hunter Biden. You can go watch if you're like, what, what's going on there? Because I didn't know until I researched for that video. It's weird. It's weird. Oh. Medieval dress with flames at the bottom. Excellent Halloween costume. Love it. That reminds me of, uh, of uh, All Stars. Jinx Monsoon's like one of her final looks in All Stars where she had the white dress and then like flame. Don't even get me started. It was my favorite, I think, of the whole season. Oh, was he from a small town in Canada? I really haven't looked much into him because he seemed because, you know, he's the attacker. I don't want to give him too much attention. OK, but that's interesting. That's what he came. He came from Canada. That makes me even more angry. He doesn't even have skin in the game. Jesus Christ. 
maybe our system worked. Yeah, I guess there, there's a, there's a, yeah, I guess a <laughs> silver lining. Fuck. All right. Okay. All right. I'm done with this story and I'm mad. Moving on to more things that are going to make you mad. Today, today, the Supreme Court is hearing two cases, oral arguments for two cases, Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard and Students for Fair Admissions versus the University of North Carolina, UNC. They're both about affirmative action. So it's important, okay? This this will this will be probably consequential. So, as a background on affirmative action, in the 1960s, during the civil rights movement, colleges and universities began to seek to overcome legacies of discrimination in their admissions policies by giving preference in their admissions to underrepresented groups in order to proactively diversify their campuses. And this, of course, was eventually challenged in court because. Racism, cried the whites who had been given preferential treatment for 500 years before this. So over four decades ago, in 1978, a case on affirmative action was brought before the Supreme Court, and they upheld it. They upheld affirmative action, saying that colleges can use race as a factor in making admissions decisions. They can use race as a factor. It was again upheld in 2003 in a case called Grutter v. Bollinger. I can't, I can't remember if it's pronounced Grutter v. Bollinger or Grutter v. Bollinger. Either way, here, it's spelt down here. I can highlight it for you. Oh, there it is. Grutter v. Bollinger. That case was decided in 2003. And it set, it confirmed that affirmative action is allowed, but there's a catch. Race must be a factor among many that is being considered in an admissions decision. It cannot be the determining factor. And schools can't set racial quotas that they're trying to meet. They can't say like, okay, 20% of the students we let in are going to be black. That's the balance that the Supreme Court struck on the issue. And then they upheld it again in 2016, as recently as 2016. But of course, that was before we had the conservative supermajority that we have now. And on top of that, Ketanji Brown-Jackson is recusing herself from these cases that are being heard today. She's recusing herself because she's on the board of overseers of Harvard, which is her alma mater. And that's the problem with liberals. They have an actual conscience. Meanwhile, Clarence Thomas is like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm perfectly capable of being neutral about election laws and decisions, even though my wife, who I go home to every day, is actively campaigning for the overthrow of our democracy. I'm a neutral judge. I'm a, a neutral arbiter of the law. Anyway, 10 states have banned the use of race in public university admissions, including California, which I thought was surprising. Only in public university, though, they can't control private universities. So the cases are both being brought by students for fair admissions against Harvard and UNC, but both brought by students for fair admissions. Students for fair admissions is a group of 22,000-ish parents and students. They're not all just white, surprisingly. And they're led by this guy. This fucking guy. Edward Bloom. This guy loves gunking up the legal system with his activist cases, which I know is hypocritical of me to say because I want more 
liberals to gunk up the legal system with their activist cases. But I never said that I'm unbiased, unlike some people. Okay. He loves gunking it up. He's not an attorney, though. He's just has a lot of time and money on his hands, I guess. And he finds potential plaintiffs and and matches them with attorneys who are willing to represent them in test cases in order to change legal precedent. This guy's been around for a long time. He's also been behind lawsuits on redistricting. Um, in one case, he argued that district line in, in lines in Texas should be drawn based on eligible voters, not on the total population. So not including like minors, undocumented people, et cetera, which is like contrary to what the Constitution says. So I don't know how he got far with it, but basically it was a ploy to take voting power away from immigrants. All right. And he lost on that one. He was also behind that Abby Fisher case in 2016. Remember her? Remember her? This is the last time that the Supreme Court upheld Roe, or not Roe v. Wade. Wow. Freudian slip. This is the last time that uh, they upheld affirmative action in 2016 in this Abby Fisher case. She was the redhead who, had, who was sad she didn't get into UT Austin, so she sued them, claiming that a person of color took her spot. <laughs> okay? Like, it's funny, but also it's not funny because in this case, just a few years ago, Alito, Roberts, and Thomas all dissented. And look who's still standing, okay? Anyway, so this guy sucks is what I'm saying. The sneaky thing about these lawsuits before the Supreme Court today is that it's not about white students suing over use of race and admissions. It's Asian-American students suing over use of race and emissions. Yeah. So their argument is that affirmative action discriminates against Asian American applicants in favor of white applicants, saying that universities like Harvard hold Asian Americans to a higher standard and see them as just a number. Okay, so it's flipping it on its head. It's saying affirmative action is bad because it hurts minorities. It hurts Asian Americans specifically. I did read that surveys among Asian Americans, which, by the way, is a vast and very diverse swath of people, just so we're clear. Asian American, that term. Vast swath of very different humans, okay? Um, these surveys, though, found that most Asian Americans support affirmative action, with Chinese Americans the least likely to support it. And this whole argument is, of course, playing into the... Asians as the model minority argument, which is like, you know, fucked up on many levels. Basically, they're the good minority because they assimilate, they conform to our laws, they do well in education. Just all of them as a whole group, the whole bunch. Blanket statement. But of course, Asian Americans do face at times deadly discrimination, especially since COVID. Um... And studies have shown that there are Asian Americans who, if race wasn't a factor, may not have gotten into Harvard and other elite institutions. While other studies show that if affirmative action were ditched, Asian American acceptance rates would increase by about 2%. Basically, it's a really close call based on data and stats that are pretty subjective, given how many factors, many of which are subjective, go into admissions decisions. It's hard to suss out by the numbers. So this case versus Harvard was tried in Boston in 2018, back when I was still in law school there. So I actually got to attend the opening arguments when this was at like the first, the district court level. 
Um, and I don't remember a ton of it, but I do remember both sides using a lot of charts and graphs to try to show various data points that show one way or the other that the policies hurt Asian Americans or not. Because it's a real fucking toss up in these cases. Like the Abby Fisher one, they're again being brought by individual students who are mad that they didn't get into a fancier school. And then basically this fucking scummy white guy, Bloom, is using this shit to push his own shitty agenda against affirmative action. For me, the issue is that using race as one factor in admissions should be valid because, yes, the amount of systemic racism and discrimination that people of color face in order to achieve their grades or their extracurricular successes and all the other factors on their applications, that should be something that they can put on their resumes. It takes extra time, extra energy, extra gumption that white students do not have to use because we weren't dealing with like daily microaggressions or overt racism and the plethora of other horrific shit that people of color have to endure just to fucking exist, let alone exist while being a teenager in America, which fucking sucks just by itself. They should be able to put that on their application, okay? Not to mention the fact that there's other arbitrary shit on applications, such as whether or not the person is related to an alumni. Why aren't we screaming more about that? Okay? So the question before the court in oral arguments today... Okay, by the way, this is Oye. If you haven't been here, it's a really helpful source for Supreme Court. Everything, it's got all the audio from all the oral arguments, like, ever since they began recording. It's got all of the, like, synopses for every Supreme Court case you could ever want, plus the upcoming Supreme Court schedule. It's a very helpful tool, and it lays it out in a really easy, like, here's the facts of the case. Here's the question before the court. May institutions of higher education use race as a factor in admissions? If so, does Harvard Colleges or UNC and the other ones race conscious admissions process violate Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964? Okay, so basically the Supreme Court has the option here to fully overrule any use of race, any consideration of race in admissions, or more narrowly to rule that these specific practices by these specific institutions specifically violate the Civil Rights Act. Okay, so it's basically a, this is what the plaintiffs want. They want it all thrown out. But if they don't get that, then at the very least, they want Harvard's race-conscious admissions processes thrown out. So those are both being argued today before the Supreme Court. Can't say I'm hopeful, my friends. Can't say I'm hopeful. Okay. Yeah, this is a great point. This is something I read too. Schools just want money. Another thing to consider is that the schools that are being contested here are always elite institutions. For like two, for like the vast majority, I think there's like 70 total schools in this country that accept less than 25% of applicants. The vast majority of the over 1,000 schools in this country accept like two-thirds of applicants. So you can find other colleges that'll take your money, basically. Doesn't have to be Harvard. It also 
shows the like continue. God, I am constantly arguing about how stupid the continued obsession with elitist institutions is in this country because they still put out horrible people. I saw a really great TikTok that I think I downloaded it, but I didn't share it on my Instagram stories because I haven't figured out how to share a TikTok that's longer than a minute in my stories. That's my that's a me problem. Anyway, it was a, a girl who just graduated from Harvard Law School talking about her experience at Harvard Law School. And it sounded fucking awful and elitist and gross. Um, I wish I could share that with you now, but I cannot. Unless I were to, like, hold my phone up. Oh, there's, there's Moira. Uh, I'm not going to do that because that seems weird. But anyway. My point being, there's this obsession with getting into these elitist institutions. And they suck. And the people who go to them also sometimes suck. Some of them don't suck, but some of them do suck. And like anecdotally, I worked at the U.S. Attorney's Office in Boston as a student who was not going to Harvard alongside other Harvard students. And the deputy director of the Securities and Financial Fraud Unit at the Boston, uh, the Boston, you know, attorney's office told me that he liked me better than the Harvard students. Just saying. Just saying. You don't have to go to an elite institution to be a good lawyer. You don't have to go to an elite institution to be a good, get a good job or find work. Of course, going to an elite institution opens doors much more easily for you. That's fair. And that does have an effect, which is why affirmative action matters. Because if you're not helping people who have been routinely marginalized for centuries by taking that that fact into consideration when they're applying for your school and you're like, wow, look at all these other scores they got too. And they're black or whatever. It matters. It matters. <sighs> yeah. The leap to a minority student took my spot. Is fucked up. But, you know, there's like, there's, and I couldn't lay out for you right now the exact legal reasoning behind how they're able to challenge this because I didn't look that up for this and I don't remember. But the fact that they can back that up with legal reasoning is also fucked up. <sighs> oh, hell yeah. Got an A for using, oh yeah, yeah, it's a great resource. Congrats. Um, that's all I have. It's 9.10, it's Monday. Technically, we have work to do, but I've gotten so worked up over this live stream that I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do anything. It's Halloween. What are you guys doing for Halloween? I'm going trick-or-treating tonight with a child. It's not just me going door-to-door. -door. <laughs> and Moira, we're going to have her in her... I don't know if I'm going to do the donut costume where she also has a giant avocado suit. Giant avocado suit. So, and I had a party this past weekend. I went as Ned Kingsley Zizu from The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizu. And my partner Charlie went as, went as Steve Zizu, which I realize means that we went as 
hypothetical father and son. It's fine. We don't have to talk about it. I also got my Halloween out this weekend. Like, I feel it almost doesn't feel like Halloween anymore because it's like, well, I had my party. Time for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Get those sweets for the trick-or-treaters. That's good. I don't have any trick-or-treaters in my neighborhood, so. I got nothing. Also, my doctors would not let me have the, the, that candy. Okay, they would not approve of the candy. I'm trying to heal my hormones and my cortisol levels. And you know it doesn't help. Intense glucose spikes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Awesome. Okay. It's 9. It's 9.10. It's 9.11. We got to go. We got to go to work. Okay. Or not. I have a lot of work to do today, so I really need, I'm really tempted to not, but I really have to, I have to do work. This is the problem with being self-employed. It's really tempting to be like, what if I didn't do any work today? <laughs> I have to. Okay. The scariest thing of all, Monday. I hope you guys have a happy Halloween. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for coming over to this new channel, by the way. I'm excited that Halloween is my first live stream on the new channel. Um, and I appreciate you for hopping over. I know that it's kind of like, I know that it's like not that hard to just click a button and then click subscribe, but it is like just statistically a lot to ask of followers to follow you to another platform or a separate channel. So I am very grateful that you've done it. I'm very grateful that you are here. Um, this morning and I will be back on Thursday morning. Um, we have asked for one more, <laughs> one more hit of that good, good donut. Hold on. She's asleep, but it's worth it. Moira. Come here, my baby. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> my baby. She is not feeling it. She also is like halfway out of this thing. I think she might be a little hot. There we go. Is that so nice? You want to snort in the can in the mic? <laughs> she specifically stopped snorting when I put her mouth there. She's like, I'm not working for free, bitch. I'm not working for free, bitch. Best donut ever. <laughs> Oh, you're so over it. All right, I'll leave you alone. Okay, let's take this off. The donut has been released. Good girl. What a sweet baby, huh? Uh, her itchies are coming and going. She's been having some allergies and they're not really gone. Well, I've been giving her like allergy meds, but I've, I've run out and now the itches are back. So, uh, I might need to go get more pills. Anyway, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you for being here. And I love you. And I'll see you on Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Okay? Can't wait. Bye.